call me a stupid marketing person and I would call him names. Uh, but at the end of the day, what, 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 what was happening was... Um... Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is the marketing and the F is the well you decide. As you're probably wondering... Does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with marketing friends, old and new, I've met through my 20-year marketing career as a leader, consultant, and trusted advisor, and hopefully share with you some marketing street knowledge that will bring out the Rockstar CMO in you. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode was recorded on Friday the 17th of September. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, I chat with the Rockstar CMO advisor, Jeff Clark. We complete our mini-series with Christina Del Villar discussing her grit marketing methodology and we're at T for Tech and Tools. And Robert Rose is back in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Right, let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. This week, my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former research director at Serious Decisions and Forrester, joins me to cross the streams of his two passions, marketing and looking after our Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. Good, good morning. Show. Good afternoon. Good uh, morning. How's your week been? Uh, the week has been busy. You know, fall comes and there's all kinds mm-hmm. of things, events, you know, and stuff like that that are cropping yeah. back up. So uh, yeah. a lot of clients are busy. So um, that's for sure. I, I got yeah. invited to an event that is not only in person, it's in another country. Oh, my in God. Fact, I got invited to two this week. Which wow. is I haven't I haven't been on a plane for two years, so not really sure what I'm going to do with that. But you're right; it seems that the world is opening up a bit. The fall is always event season, anyway, isn't it? So it's all kicking off. So let's kick off our discussion. Yes. Good idea. <laughs> Good idea. So this week, uh, Jeff, I think as I mentioned last week uh, on the podcast, uh, we are going to cross the streams between. What you do when you're chatting away to me about marketing and providing great advice as a rockstar CMO advisor and your true passion and what you do when you're not in that particular seat. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you know, working on sustainability projects and uh, and your eco work. So what I want to do, talk about today was sust- sustainability in marketing. And I think maybe this might turn into a series. Let's see how we get on. Yeah. What- and I understand you have some thoughts because we do talk to each other apart from when I'm pressing record. So I understand you have some thoughts <laughs> in this area. <laughs> well, it is good to know, listeners, that we do prepare as much as possible for so these discussions. But yeah. So much research. Uh, so what say you, Jeff? Well, I think so. I, I think that um, one of the questions that, that, you know, certainly I've asked myself, we all need to ask is that mm-hmm. um, if, you know, I mean, if, 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 if we're being told um, that, you know, the world that our children and our grandchildren are going to inherit is, um, has real challenges being threatened in terms of being a habitable world, mm-hmm. um, you know, what do you do differently? I mean, do you just go on with business as usual and yeah. think that somebody else is going to, you know, somebody else is going to solve that problem because, yeah. you know, heaven knows I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah, figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, or you, you think about, you know, what, uh, what your role is in, um, in a transition to a different way of doing business. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we can, we could dwell on a lot of the threats, you know, there's climate change, there's uh, species extinction, which, you know, threatens the food, our food sources. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these recurring pandemics, which, Hey, we're just, you know, Mm-hmm. Kind of referring back to, there's also, um, you know, plastics and other pollutants that are, you know, endangering, you know, where we live and dirt endangering our, you know, reproductive capabilities, et cetera, you know, and we could, you know, so we could dwell on 
the issues and the who's the what's the where is why this all happened or whatever. Or we could say, you know, what are we going to do in our business, in our homes, with our families? Yeah. Getting from home to work, <laughs> getting from work back to home. What, yeah. You know, how yeah. how can we do things differently to be part of a solution as opposed to be part of um, part of the problem? And right. and and the you know the solutions and stuff are all for many of these things are all out there. It's just that they're sort of like there's the 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 desire to keep doing business as usual, and certainly desire of you know the private businesses that that. Um, stand to lose uh, in, in any kind of transition to just kind of keep things going in that way. And, and one of the things I, you know, I've been thinking about a lot is that, is that the, um, anytime a society or culture economy makes a big transition, um, there is opportunity. Mm -hmm. There's, there's money to be made. There's certainly ways to save your your existing business from from you know being threatened by those forces. Um, there's new jobs. There's new things to do, and and that's that's where I think a lot of us should focus on is not mm-hmm. is not on the you know there's all the things they could do without et cetera, but there's the things that like what were the new opportunities because they're going to be out there. I mean, the shift in energy sources, the shift in mobility, the you know, shift in supply chains, mm. the new ways of being more sustainable. And I mean, just almost in every business, there's an area in which you can, you can say, how are we going to, to shift to the new way of doing business so that not only can we expand our business because yeah. we're taking advantage of that, but we can prevent ourselves from uh, falling prey to, um, to these larger forces yeah and when i when i was doing a bit of research onto this and you know we're all familiar with a lot of sort of the greenwashing that's going on and it's 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 very it's it's fairly you know it's not even skin deep is it in terms of the way that some organizations are going on about this um plus and then i was seeing a lot of you know marketers role in really promoting the product's greenness and and its sustainability but this is this is a bit more than that that you're talking about isn't it it's about what we can do as organizations and businesses to, yeah it's to, got yeah absolutely yeah. i mean it's got to be deeper than greenwashing and you yeah. know it it and and certainly there's so many i mean california just passed the law or i should say that i think they're considering passing a law where where products that say they're recyclable that are not recyclable can no longer say they're recyclable, right, <laughs> you know, and, right. and it's like, it's like, stop, you know, yeah. just being, you know, perceiving to be on, on the good side of an issue is, yeah. I mean, frankly, I mean, it doesn't solve the problem. I mean, it, it may help you gain a few customers, but, but I'm not sure how many customers, you know, then you have to ask yourself how many customers really care about that. And, and, uh, you know, are you just doing the greenwashing as opposed to thinking a little bit more, more deeply? Um, And there is, I mean, one of the things I think, you know, it'd be good to put a a link to is there's uh, uh, Lux Research, which um, actually some of my ex-colleagues from Forrester Series Decisions work there. So I've been keeping an eye on them and they, they have a, um, a new sustainable um, innovation model which I think one of the discussions we had a little while ago was about, you know, what's the purpose of innovation? And it's like, yeah. my gosh, if, if, if the purpose of innovation is not to help, you know, again, address and fend off these, these, you know, these, um, these forces, then it's like, well, well what, <laughs> what good is it? So, yeah. you know, how can we take advantage of new, energy and climate technology? How can we um, think about circular technology, which is really more about reducing waste and how we yeah. can make sure that what we're either what we're producing from a physical perspective or the processes that we use are, um, you know, are more sustainable. And, and then there's also just the future consumer technology. So, mm-hmm. you know, what are consumers going to need and how can we, how can we make sure that we, um, you know, we supply those needs in a way that, that again is 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 more sustainable right so that's lex research right sustainable innovation model is that what you lux is l-u-l-u-x and i'll I'll send you the link so you can yeah yeah i'll add the link to the show notes yeah 
Um, so that, so they're, they're creating this sustainable innovation model um, around, presumably around products and everything that the organization does. But when we're thinking about um, us as marketers, what contribution can we can we make here? And then, and, I, and before we were chatting, you were saying you had like three particular um, points. We already made the point about that there's an opportunity whenever there's a societal change and there's market trends moving on. But how do we respond to that? And what is it that businesses need to do in order to and how does marketing yep. help yep absolutely and, and i think you know so the certainly one of the realities is that not everybody is going to go change jobs and become a you know solar installer or yeah. you know uh, uh, ev car technician or something like that and and so you know so much of what we do um or so much what needs to happen can happen from the kind of the current roles and businesses that we're already in so I think, you know, I, I was thinking of the, like, there's four places to, to start and ask questions and then think about how the marketers are, what the marketers role is in that. Mm-hmm. And the first one is um, actually, let me just, I'll just, let me touch on all four and then we can kind of go back to it. Cause one is like, you know, how can you make sure that your current business is more sustainable? So that's kind of internal yeah. to the business. The second one is, you know, how can we take advantage or how the business can take advantage of changing market trends? So mm-hmm. so if, if things are, are, are going to be moving and they may be moving faster than we think they are in a certain direction, how do we make sure we're on top of that? Um, how do we make sure we help our employees adjust to, you know, uh, a new, more sustainable right. economy? And then lastly but, is how do we influence, you know, policymakers? Because I right. think that one of the challenges that every business, every individual has is that, it's like, yes, I would do things differently if the incentives yeah. weren't set up for me to do things <laughs> the right. old way. Right. And that's right. that's where the, you know, the old businesses that have been making huge profits on the, the standard way of doing business, you know, whether it's the fossil fuel companies or the chemical companies. I mean, they they've they've set up the incentives to work for that mm-hmm. way that the, the world operates. They're not terribly interested in the transition. Um, and, um, and so therefore we've got to be, you know, we've got to think as, as public, uh, you know, as, as businesses and people in the public, we've got to think how we help policymakers make right. the changes we need to support us. Right. So there was three things there. So there was the business. There the was business four, itself. but anyway. Well, there was four because there was the opportunity, right? And you mentioned yeah, that yeah. earlier. But the yeah. three things you just mentioned was the business, the business itself needs to be more sustainable. Um, and then uh, we need to encourage employees and nurture them to th- to think in that same way. And then we need to influence the policymakers. Now, marketing can play a role in all three of those, right? So, how do how do we play a role in in making the business more sustainable as a as a, as a marketer? Well, certainly, you know, f- internally. So, how can we make sure our current business is more sustainable? So, yeah. um, you know, a lot of a lot of that is is around um, how processes produce waste. Mm-hmm. And actually, that was the the last show of yeah. yours I was on. We yeah. talked about waste, so we talked yeah. about the eight sources of waste in in yeah. marketing. Yeah, um, and a lot of that was just about efficiency of execution. But you know, you really yeah. need to think about about how you know the how the organization may be contributing to waste yeah. overall, and what yeah. marketing's role in in doing that. And marketing's role could be more direct in that you know we're not buying. Um, plastic trinkets that get thrown into waste paper baskets um, after a trade show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're using, um, you know, more sustainable forms of advertising, you know, certainly more yeah. digital. Um, you know, we're also, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about, because I think when we get into the next one and we're going to try to uncover more about what the market trends are. So therefore we need to be talking about those future market trends and how, um, you know, how buying needs are going to be changing. So, um, so I think that's, you know, marketing and also marketing, you know, certainly for the CMO, the senior leadership need to be thinking, you know, more broadly about how the business is sustainable and marketing can be, uh, or I should say the CMO could be a positive voice right. in, in, in echoing that. And, right. Um, and then we move on to number two or three, depending on where, how we number these. <laughs> how, you're, how you're counting them. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, the, um, in, from an employee's perspective, I mean, as, as marketers, we tend to be charged with both internal and ex- 
external communication. So therefore, you know, from a from, when we talk about sustainability and those kinds of topics, and and the you know we're normally part of the corporate social responsibility programs. We need to promote those, yep. but internally, from you're talking about encouraging a culture, encouraging employees. What what do you see as our role in in doing that? Well, I mean, I think there are a lot of things that businesses are looking at. They're they're looking at now because of the the pandemic, you know, sort of hybrid work environments, uh, you know, the the status of commuting, assisting, Mm -hmm. you know, more, uh, you know, using more public transit or, or, you know, helping people who are going to continue to work at home, leave programs, uh, you know, whether it's for health, parent, parental leave. So, Mm -hmm. so you're right. I mean, I think the, the primary uh, you know, participation from marketing perspective is in internal communications, being a participant in the the yeah. teams, the committees that are helping to devise those policies and to communicate them and make sure everyone understands what the, you yeah. know, what those current policies are and, and what that role, how those things play a role in the overall right. corporate sustainability, um, you know, effort. Yeah. Really but think yeah, Go ahead. I mean, there's there's two things on this, though, isn't there? Is there? There's a thing we mentioned at the beginning where you can appear to be greenwashing either externally or internally if your heart's not in it, you, you don't sustain it. But also, um, more so probably there in the US than in Europe, this is seen as a political issue, which is something which is not safe for work. How do you balance... How do you, how do you balance that dividing line be- between the fact that you may have um, people in in the organization who feel that this isn't something that's, that's that, that should be part of their work day how, how do you gently encourage this or is it something that hey you know that's it's part of our corporate culture and if you don't align with it then I'm afraid you're not a good fit well, I've had yeah. a feel about that <laughs> that certainly could be a, a tackle that's probably not a winning a winning strategy but I, I, yeah. I think that there's certainly in in the um, in the U.S., yes, every, everything about everything about everything has become political, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I think that the 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 effort is to try to remove the politics from mm-hmm. it. And I know that's that's a terribly easy thing to say, yeah. But I don't think that most of the p- political leaders, you know, they, you know, if somebody decides to you know run a more sustainable business, that that's not something that that they're against. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, that's your choice. That's how you want to conduct business. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the, the, the tack you need to take is it just this is an important thing for us to do. And, you know, we're trying to be more efficient. We're trying to respond yeah. to cu- customer needs, not just today's needs, but the future needs. Yeah. We're trying to respond to our employees. And, um, and we're just trying to be good corporate and public citizens. Right. And so I think that, you know, if you, if you take that tack and make sure you remove yeah. um, any sort of political um, right speaking points or whatever mm. from it, then that's, it's just good business. It's just good business. Yeah. Is it, um, but talk about good business. When you do research into this, there's a lot of hooey about the fact it's millennials, you know, if you, it, millennials care more about, um, the sort of um, corporate social responsibility of large organizations and of the people they buy from. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you think that's true? I think that um, there's probably some truth to that. I, I can't say that I've seen, um, you know, polling data. Uh, I know that I, who am not a millennial, <laughs> have been concerned <laughs> about this since. Yeah. Since uh, since being a baby boomer uh, or my early years as a baby boomer. Um, and uh, and I do think I mean, there's actually some organizations like Yale University Climate Research that do a lot of polling on on people's attitudes across yeah. the board. I mean, not just focused yeah. on, on, you know, the people who are concerned about the, these topics. But mm-hmm. I think that there is a lot of there is certainly there is a, a lot of. Um, realization about the challenges that we have from, you know, climate and species, yeah. et cetera. You know, pe- people are generally aware of it. They more or less are likely, I don't know what I can do about it. Yeah. So that's where, um, you know, as a, as a marketer who is focused on, you know, understanding the trends, helping with the policy, helping on sustainability, you can say, yeah. here's what we can do about it. 
Yeah. And and to be able to communicate that, being able to work with you know thought leaders in your industry yeah. on on these issues can be really important. So that people say, ah, okay, there yeah. is there is things that we can do, and um, and and let's you know let's get behind those changes. Yeah, you know, because again, it's it's you know, I mean, I I don't know, I often think back to the transition as we were going from the industrial age, getting away from more people in agriculture and people shifting to new jobs. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of ways of of work and play that have just gone by the wayside. There's lots of jobs. I mean, here in New England, people used to farm ice to put into barns, to put into refrigerators, the first refrigerators. (laughs) And it's like, those people yeah. aren't doing that anymore. So, yeah. so the positive way to approach this is to say, like, what are those? What are those ways of doing business that that going yeah. forward that are more sustainable that we can, you know, get on the bandwagon and and to your point, not do it from a greenwashing perspective, but do it from a perspective that we really are making our business okay. more efficient, more effective, yeah. and more uh, improving our chances of winning in the future. Right. That would be an excellent point to which to close, I think, because um, that, that you nicely wrap that up. Although you did have that fourth point, but I think you know, named it, which is the influencing policymakers. And I think from a marketer's perspective, if there's one thing we should be good at is influencing people, right, and finding influences yes. and working on that. So I think that poli- influencing policymakers should be part of a corporate social responsibility strategy and part of yep. our marketing strategy and all this stuff. Absolutely. So, we need to uh, close on some music. And I, I, I had a sneak peek at the shortlist this week. I'm not going to name who they were, but you've got an absolute classic this week, Jeff. What is it? Well, it is hard. It's hard to avoid a uh, when you're thinking about songs about sustainability yeah. in the future. It's hard yeah. to avoid the song uh, Mercy, Mercy Me by Marvin Gaye. It's just, yeah. it's just such a great song. It It is more about the problem than the, <laughs> than the solution. <laughs> the solution. So, but as we pick this topic up again, we will yeah. um, we will talk about the solutions as well. I think that's great. Thank you very much, Jeff. So I'll be playing out with 19, Marvin Gaye from 1971, Mercy, Mercy Me. And will I see you again in the, in the in our sustainable <laughs> Rockstar CMS? <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. I look forward to it. See you then, mate. Take care. Oh, mercy, mercy me. All things ain't what they used to be now now. Where did all the blue skies go? Poison is the wind that blows From the north and south and south Oh, mercy, mercy me All things ain't what they used to be now Oil wasted on the oceans and upon our seas, fish full of mercury. Oh, oh, mercy, mercy, me. Thank you, Jeff. An important topic and an absolute classic track. I love that. Of course, I'll include all of Jeff's links in the show notes. And if you have any thoughts on the topic we just discussed or have suggestions for what we should be discussing, get in touch. We're Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. On to my guest, Christina Delviar, who, if you're a regular listener, you'll be very familiar with. Christina has had an impressive 25-year marketing career in Silicon Valley, holding senior marketing positions, helping Fortune 100 companies and startups grow and scale. And she shared that experience and the methodology she's developed along the way in her first book, Sway, Implement the Grit Marketing Method to Gain Influence and Drive Corporate Strategy, which is an Amazon bestseller. This is the final part of our four-part series discussing that book and the Grit Marketing Methodology. This week, we discuss the T for technology and tools. Hope you're enjoying the series and enjoy this conversation. Welcome back, Christina, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great. Thank you, Ian, for having me. This oh, has been a fun series. It's exciting. Yeah. No, you're very welcome. It's been great digging into your book um, because we covered it so briefly back in May when we when we when we <laughs> talked. Uh, I think it was episode 64. Um, actually, that episode um, I published on my birthday, so that's why I remember it. I think. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so I had oh, pre- now. Now I'll always remember when your birthday is. <laughs> <laughs> but then I had a. I mean, I love marketing books. So I had a book. I had a preview version of a book to read on my birthday so it's perfect that's amazing um, but the so that was fun but this is the last now little mini series so thank yeah. you very much um yeah. but to remind the listeners we're talking about your books way implement the grit marketing method to gain influence and drive corporate strategy we've been going through the g-r-i-t of grit the the from that title we've so far yeah. covered g go to market r-r-i <laughs> RRPM and the I intention, which was great last week. And in our final chat, we're going to go for T tools and technology. And I reckon this is probably a bit of a doozy. We're probably going to run out of time before we start. So many conversations about um, tools and technology. Um, And as we're on that last one, just as a quick reminder, Christina, uh, who are you? (laughs) <laughs> I am, who am I? Uh, this week, I am. Uh, I am. I'm a marketing executive. I've been working in Silicon Valley for the past 30 years, uh, focused on go-to-market strategy and marketing strategy, mostly for, for B2B companies. A lot of startups in there, Fortune 100 and 500 companies. And uh, over the years, I have sort of built this process and methodology, you know, the grit marketing method, and really just wanted to share that with with folks, not just marketing professionals, but it really is applicable to everybody who touches that customer journey uh, within an organization. So I'm excited to be here to talk about tools and technology. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about your book because it's fabulous. And I think I mentioned when we chatted um, the first time around, just, just the opening chapter that you start, it's like a real sort of call to arms for marketers. And I hope that's that's come across in our conversation. I think it's uh, yeah. great and I'd recommend it. So let's get back to the T and I'm, I'm dying for this one. I'm a, I'm a B2B marketer myself and I spent most of my career flogging tools, <laughs> basically. <Right. laughs> oh my gosh, B2B right? Market, CMS <laughs> solutions, marketing information uh, solutions. Good so times, I'm ready. Good times. Right? So, and you've survived. We're here. <laughs> We're here today. <laughs> so, and the interesting thing about tools and technology and, and automation um, it's such a off. It's, it's it's a big topic here on, on the podcast, yeah. and lots of people mention it. And some people actually have thrown it into our swimming pool. So, so, oh, so this, I might have. No, I can't. I can't remember what I threw in the swimming pool. I tell pool, you what you threw. I tell you what you threw. You threw an MQLs. MQL. Yeah, I threw MQ. I remember. <laughs> so, Toss them in there. Yeah. So um, and uh, so, where should we start with tools and technology? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I'll start with a story. How about that? Story That's time. Yeah. So I was actually an alpha and a beta tester for Marketo back mm. in the day. Wow. Um, worked dire- yeah, yeah. Worked directly with Phil and the, the engineers. And what, what happened was as an alpha tester, um, Phil and I would have these really what I would consider um, really bad conversations where mm. he would call me a stupid marketing person and I would call him names. Uh, but at the end of the day, what 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 was happening was um, this was supposed to be a really easy tool for marketers to use. But mm-hmm. what they had done was they built it really without understanding the process that marketers go through to mm-hmm. build out campaigns and what they're going to measure on. Um, and furthermore, it was very uh, it was very technical, and mm-hmm. so. What his intent was, was that it was literally, you know, drop and, um, you know, it was, it was literally like plug and play and, and drop and drag. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. I literally needed an engineer to help me build out these programs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, look, this is great. But whoever implements this is also going to need a, an engineer um, to help them. And he's like, no, this is that's not the intent. The intent mm-hmm. is that a marketer should be able to do this. So they actually pulled it back and reworked it so that it was much more intuitive for, mm-hmm. for marketing professionals, uh, right? Which, which makes sense yeah. where it had been built more for it who is generally responsible for implementing and owning these tools and technologies. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what this chapter is about. And what I'm trying to get people to understand is there are tools and technologies marketers need to define their programs, implement their programs and measure them. Yeah. However, we're not, 
not really involved with um, a lot of the, you know, selection and implementation mm-hmm. and build out and iteration of these tools. Mm-hmm. And, and that becomes a problem, right? Like I need this tool to be able to show my results. And yet I'm not the one who built out the workflows mm. So they're not helping me show my results and impact, which, right. as we've talked about before, is critical for marketing. Right, right. And one of the complaints, I think it's really interesting that you were involved at the beginning uh, with uh, Marketo, because one yeah. of the things that I've heard uh, feedback on with marketing automation, that it's become so prevalent now in marketing that it actually has started to define our craft, that, you know, right. we, yeah, that's a good point. We, market it, we market in a certain way now because we're empowered by the tools and we let the tools dictate what activities mm-hmm. we should be doing. Is that something? Right. Yeah. yeah. Is that something you've seen as well? I have seen that and I disagree with it. Right. And, yeah. and it's interesting as part of um, I'm, I'm part of a, a CMO group, which is which is amazing. And we've talked many times about how these tools have not evolved the way that our markets are expecting them to. And therefore Mm -hmm. they're becoming less and less effective for us because again, like you're saying, they're, they're, they're pretty static. Like this is, this is the product that you get and this is how you can leverage it. And these are the workflows. And, you know, we expect you to do digital marketing and we expect you to have a blog. And and so this is what it looks like when in fact we need to be more innovative, but we don't have the technology to measure some of that right now. Mm -hmm. And that that's a huge, it's a huge problem. And so a lot of this in the CMO group, we're talking about like, do we just, do we go back to building our own? Like, do we just Jerry rig stuff together? Do we use, um, you know, a Zapier to like, you know, integrate the way we need it integrated? Or do we literally just like do another in-house, you know, product? And a lot of, a lot of um, marketing organizations are are shifting back to that because the tools and technologies are just not evolving the same way we we need them to right now. That's incredible. I mean, because you can't, I I think there's a law that you can't mention marketing technology without mentioning there are 8,000 different things i think from the i think it's like three thousand but yeah it's it's <laughs> yeah. like you you know that that big map that yeah, they have and it was, yeah yeah it started think, off at like 500 and now it's like five thousand it's crazy yeah yeah i don't think yeah like i say as a marketer i don't think you can re- refer to marketing technology without referring to scott brinker the chief martech and eight thousand yep. and so yep. now we've done that we can move forward <laughs> right, right. I've honored, but, how, but how do you how do you do that though right like how as a as a company as an organization yeah. As um, you know, a leader in in a marketing organization, um, because you're also dependent on other tools that you need to yeah. integrate into, whether it's your CRM or maybe it's even your your platform. Um, there, you know, there's so much that goes into that, but you need to own that technology so that it yeah. works for you. So there's a couple of questions that come out of that. One is I'm astonished that people are going back to building their own stuff. It's crazy. When there's right? such, a, such a plethora of tools. 8,000 um, plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yet people are still building their own. And yeah. do you think that's because it's possible the solution is out there? It's just that their procurement process, their filter through IT, they're not getting their needs out there. And so that needle in that 8,000 tools haystack is never going to be found. So they're like... Well, I'll build my own, and that that yeah. missing an opportunity there. I do feel like I feel strongly that you should buy versus build. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do completely understand. So part of it is a skills gap issue mm-hmm. within your own team and with your technology or your IT, right? You're dependent on like, for example, I'm just making this up. Like, let's say you want to implement a program that's built on Python, but your other yeah. programs are, you know, built on C++ or God only knows what, right? Yeah. And so how do you, how do you manage that code on the back end, right? Yeah. Um, do you have the skill set on your team or within the organization to handle that. Larger yeah. organizations have that. And so that's why they can, you know, kind of start jerry-rigging things together. Yeah. Um, the the other area is, and it goes back to, you know, your map of influence and, and being yeah. laser focused and, and your strategy. Um, you need to understand what you're trying to measure on, because mm-hmm. if you don't have that, then you can't set your workflows up properly, right? Right. Um, and and I'm not saying that every situation is unique. I mean, I run into this as a B2B, you know, marketer, everybody's, Mm. well, my, my situations, my company's different and, you know, I need a bespoke solution and blah, blah, all that other stuff when you, you really don't, but, um, it does take a lot to, 
again, sort of jerry rig and, um, you know, build out that, that ecosystem and your tech stack so that it works for you. And the other critical piece is, um, you know, you, you have a lot of, there's a lot of turnover in marketing or new roles that come in. And so there's things that are going to happen there, but uh, I think a lot of people like set it and forget it, which you, you simply just can't do that. You can't do that with this technology. Unfortunately, you need to go back and iterate on it like you do with other things. I mean, I don't know, at least once a year, if not, if not more, if it's not giving you what you need again to sort of prove your, your impact. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I can pick up totally on that frustration because um, back in the day when I was even in pre-sales, you would have somebody that's got a solution. They haven't updated that solution. They've stuck with it and they've stuck with their same processes. They set up sort of three, right. four years before that. They they yeah. haven't kept up with the program of the latest mm-hmm. updates from that vendor. And you come in with a competing solution and you're not, and, and, and they're all for, yeah, let's throw away what we already have and, and, and let's right. start again. And, and, you know, and I remember thinking, look, that product that we're competing with in this deal, I know can do what they need to get done. It's just, that, right. you know, they, the implementation has been for, so it's really, yeah. like you said, it's really important to stay up to date. Um, but where are you on? So, I mean, a lot of organizations are trying to solve this problem for us, right? You've got the Adobe's right, and right. Like the, the, sure. the, the big tech, and they're, they're saying, consolidating don't, too. yeah, don't worry about all of that. We've got it all for right. you. Where, where you know you exactly sit? what you need to do. Yeah. Where do you sit in the big tech versus building a best of breed platform when it comes to tech? Yeah, I think the key component is you as the marketing leader or even, you know, going beyond that because it does incorporate, you know, financial systems and and CRMs is Mm -hmm. you really need to understand that workflow, right? Mm -hmm. Not just what's going in, but how it's being formulated and what you're getting out on the other end. And, and again, that's kind of where, you know, that might change over, over time and and why you need to go back and look at that. Um, But I do feel, I feel like I've, I feel like there's plenty of uh, solutions out there. Um, and, and part of it is, I think, you know, the more influence marketing can have, the more resources we can get, right? So it yeah. might be IT resources, or it might be an engineering, you know, time for engineering, um, or it might be that you need to outsource some kind of integration. Um, but right now, what happens is like, we go for budget one time, right? Like we, yeah. we get a marketing automation tool, and we get that budget, and that's it. Yeah. Um, we need to think about like that maintenance and that yeah. ongoing iteration, and put yeah. that into our, our budget as well. But without that influence, and without being able to say, this is why I need an extra million dollars, even though that isn't going to bring in revenue, but it's going to help me prove the results and the revenue we are bringing in. Um, but it, that's really hard to do without gaining that influence, which goes back to everything yeah, else. Yeah, we talked about before. Yeah, but <laughs> right? I, I, that's that's such a that's such a wonderful point, particularly um, around web technologies and customer experience or where, or digital experience or what you want. You need to stay up with the times, and I think that so often we do see this three year cycle of replacement right, because that's right. when the capex budget comes up, and you can make <laughs> a make a justification for a few million. But right. actually, if you'd have spent five hundred grand a year and half of that amount of money, you would have a contemporary solution and and i and it but it's but it's we're so wired to the throw yeah I know. And, and again, I think it's, if you think about it that way too, with, with maintenance or, or professional services, it's OPEX, it's not even CAPEX, right? Yeah. And so there, it's a, it comes out of a different budget. You might have different um, opportunities to influence that. But again, it goes back to marketing, being able to prove like, yeah. this is why we need to invest this money yeah. um, so that at the end of the day, we can really show, you know, our attribution, our results. Um, it helps, it helps um, sales. I would say that there are, if you are, fortunate enough to have a marketing ops and a sales ops person, this is less of an issue, right? Because that's their job. Um, Oftentimes I'll see you either have a marketing ops or a sales ops. You won't Mm -hmm. have both, Mm -hmm. but even more often I see none. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you have that, those people, because they're, they're deep diving into it, they're the ones doing the analysis. They can help with that process, that ongoing process and iteration that you need to do. Um, But again, it, it, takes time and influence to get to the point where you have those resources yeah and i love that and one of the other questions is and and i think um i, I like the fact that you're a you're a cmo that said the word python right so is that indicative <laughs> is that indicative of the fact that nowadays a contemporary cmo contemporary marketing leader needs to have maybe not that level of 
technology technology right. that they can include I- in Python, <laughs> but at least understand these concepts. Is that an important skill it, that we now need to have? I feel that data is critical for the success of Mm -hmm. every marketing person. And so at some level, everybody in a marketing organization needs to have some understanding of of that data and the technology. Um, Again, you don't necessarily need to know that such and such is built on, you know, this kind of programming or or whatever that is. But um, I think it's really important to understand the technology and how how you can leverage that technology, right? Um, I've actually had people who are on my teams who are like, I need to understand this better. So I'm going to actually go take a, a language course right. so that I can, so that I can, when I go to, again, it goes back to empathy and context. Mm. When I go back to my IT team, I can say, hey, you know what? I yeah. recognize that this means reprogramming it and, and I get that, but this is, let yeah. me help you understand what I'm trying to get to. And so having some of that knowledge helps with that. Yeah, it also helps us with our vendors, right? Is that it it makes us more intelligent clients. Like when they say to us what can or can't be done or what we need to get done or align our goals with with what the technology is capable of doing. If you don't understand technology, you don't understand how software businesses work, if you don't understand, then you're going to be at a disadvantage with them, aren't you? Absolutely. And I think that goes back to the Marketo example. I actually am pretty tech savvy. And so I actually... I, I could have coded it myself, right? I could yeah. have been, but my whole, my whole, you know, response and comments to, to them was that, yes, I actually could do it, but that is not what you are, are trying to do. You're trying to help make it intuitive and easy for yeah. marketers, not that they need to have a background in programming. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, for, so from tools and tech uh, that we've covered the T, so we've cut, so we're coming to the end of our series, I'm afraid, Christina. I know, so, I know. so we, we've been discussing your Books, Way, Implement the Grit Marketing Method to Gain Influence and Drive Corporate Strategy, which I strongly recommend, obviously. Uh, we've done G, Go to Market. We did R, RPM, and I for Intention. And then we just covered Tools and Tech. And I think that that was excellent. I think we probably could have done a bit more with, with Tools and Tech there because that was a little bit of a passion of mine. But thank you very much for, for a little bit more of that. And um congratulations on your book good luck with it and um in between now and when people go rushing out to buy your book (laughs) and people spin the dial on the interwebs where are they going to find you they can find me at christina mm-hmm. and they can find more on the grit marketing method as well as the book sway at swaythebook.com excellent well i look forward to catching up with you again and i hope there's another book in there because you're right there is, is I, there is <laughs> i'm already working on it <laughs> well i look forward to that hopefully i'll speak to you before the next book and thank Definitely. you very much christina for this mini series and uh, i look forward to speak to you again yeah, cheers bye bye Thank you, Christina. Really enjoyed recording that series. And tools and technology is always a hot topic here at Rockstar CMO. Hopefully, have Christina back in the future. And I will, of course, include a link to the book and all the places you can find Christina in the show notes. Please look her up. Writing a book and promoting it is hard work. So if you enjoyed these conversations or you've read the book, I'm sure she'd be delighted to hear from you. Right. That time of the week, it's Friday evening. Time to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, where I hope to find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Ah, uh, hello, my friend. Welcome back to the bar. Well, I'm glad you're at the bar because, I mean, you did a fine job on the piano last week, but it's much better to see you here. Yeah, it's good to be here and it's good to not just be stuck behind a piano. Um, I mean, this week it looks like I'm I'm playing an organ of all things. <laughs> a little bit of a circus theme this week. Um, so You're back with a vengeance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and and uh, and you know the tinkling of glasses and the organ playing, you know, is always is always is always really nice and heartwarming, as it were. It reminds me of fall, um, and that's where our drink is tonight. We have, mm-hmm. you know, we are we are finally. I don't know if you're seeing this as much in the yeah. in, in in beautiful, wonderful uh, UK, but we are finally seeing a change in weather here to get a little cooler here. And so fall is on my mind. Autumn is on my mind. And so 
we open uh, with our fall cocktails with something I just absolutely adore, um, which is uh, we're calling it the apple bourbon fizz, um, which is uh, a fizzy drink, which I know you're in favor of. Um, Mm -hmm. You like the fizzy drinks. Um, And but it's a cold drink, but yet it warms the body at the same time. So it's perfect for that sort of either Indian summer or, you know, fall where it still might be a little warm outside, but still you can feel it in the air. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's a little bit more of a complex drink. Um, you basically, uh, you have, uh, if you if a little bit of melted apple butter, if you have such a thing, um, bourbon, Mm -hmm. uh, mixed in with that, a dash of cinnamon, and then the fizziness comes from, uh, ginger ale. Um, and so it's a, you know, as you might expect, it's a little sweet, um, and, but it's really nice and just, just really great on a, on an autumn day. That sounds like, I mean, um, bourbon goes nice with sweet stuff, doesn't it anyway? So yeah, it does. It, it's, it's, but it's I actually, I mean, I know that I've got a limited bar here on my desktop and we'll find out how limited that is just momentarily, but I've never heard of apple butter. Oh, you've never heard of apple I've butter? I've never heard of it. I'm oh. sorry. I know. Is that the last time we're going to speak? I think now? it's a U.S. centric thing. Yeah. I believe it. Uh, I believe it exists all over the world. Yeah. But yeah, apple butter is wonderful. Is it? Is it butter made out of apples, or is it butter with apples in if it? The better way to describe it would be apple flavored butter. Ooh. And so, um, and and in many cases, it also comes with a tinge of cinnamon. You'll also Ooh. find it that way. Nice. Um, but it is, yes, it is, it is more accurately described would be, you know, sort of an apple sort of flavored. Nice. Uh, yeah. Mm, it's nice. It's beautiful nice. on toast and, and, oh, it's very nice. Nice. And beautiful with bourbon. Both yes. Things. Beautiful with bourbon. Well, I am, um, I know that this is a warming drink and you might have heard I sneaked in a glass, <laughs> some ice into my glass. Um, and I, um, have the, uh, the most English of bourbons, <laughs> <laughs> Hendrix Luna Gin. Ah, yes, and, indeed. And I shall yeah, indeed I'm, I'm, the most I'm, English of uh, the most English of bourbons because it's pale, um, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> there's probably more to that joke somewhere. But, uh, if it was sarcastic, I think mean, if you could dr- describe a drink as sarcastic, you'd probably be in good shape. <laughs> Uh, and then, um, what did you add into yours? You added uh, a little bit of cinnamon, uh, just a dash of cinnamon, and then, of course, cinnamon. to make it fizzy, we have a little ginger. You could put beer in it too, but that's that would be that, that's that's a little too English for me. Right. Um, <laughs> well, put, so I put ginger ale into it. All right, which is well, I think when you get cinnamon, a bit of ginger ale together, it's very similar in no way at all with tonic. That's right. Mm. <laughs> right. Mm. Very similar in Ooh. no way. Um, <laughs> As usual, I've got a little bit carried away with the gin. So this is quite warming. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, this is delicious, Robert. I feel warmed, ready for fall already. Ready yeah. for a big fall, probably. I'm That's waiting for a big fall, as it were. What's yes. That, what did you call that? We called this the apple bourbon fizz. It's delicious. Thank you very much. So we're having a apple bourbon fizz or bourbon fizz. Whereabouts would we be drinking these then, Robert? You know, I think we need to get one of my favorite places to be in the fall as it's turning, as the leaves are turning, is Boston. Oh, yes. Um, and it's been some time since I've been to Boston and I miss yeah. it very much and because I, yeah. I do love it. Um, it's probably one of the only places on the East Coast that I would ever consider living in. Um, and cause I do love the town so much. Um, and so I, I think we have to find ourselves somewhere, you know, uh, probably just on the outskirts or, or, you know, on the water somewhere in, uh, in Boston and enjoying one of these as we get to wait for, you know, there's a, there's a part of Boston, which is, um, has, you know, all of these Italian restaurants and, mm-hmm. uh, it's just absolutely spectacular there. So, um, before we go eat a nice, wonderful, warming Italian meal, we have mm-hmm. this cocktail on the water nice. in sweaters, I think. 
Nice. I love it. And I'm a big fan of that area myself as well. Lovely. I shall yeah. have, and, and you never know, Jeff might wander by because he actually just lives uh, up the road from there. Uh, That's right. From, or in that area of the world. So, yes, that, that sounds very nice. And um, I'm, I'm already thinking about that Italian because I know that you're going to select an, an amazing red wine that goes with that too. So this oh, sounds like yeah. a perfect evening already. Yeah, it does indeed. <laughs> Well, that's splendid. And we're in the um, we're we're in Boston, and uh, we probably I mean it's it, it's a cultural city, and we like to have cultural conversations over our cocktails. So once we're finished with that, and we, and our thoughts turn to marketing, what would we be talking about, Robert? Well, you know, I, I, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a colleague, and it's got me thinking about strategy, big big vision strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so would you say, just to start this conversation, would you say that you're a big picture person or a details person? Oh, um, I'm probably not a details person, and but dare I call myself a big picture person? I guess, right. I guess I'm somewhere closer to the strat- thinking about the strategy and, and, the, and, the, and that kind of stuff than I am the details probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And so that's the, it's an interesting question um, because one of the things that often comes up is whether or not the answer to that question will determine whether or not you're seen as a leader yeah, in, oh. in the eyes of a company, you know, and, and the way that it sees you. Oh, and I didn't know that was a test. Yes. Well, it's interesting because it's it's often not posed as such, although many organizations do have the formal sort of, you know, go through your mm-hmm. Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. idea and, and, and get, you know, to whether you're a visionary or a details person. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, you know, I mean, so just to, to sort of separate those two ideas, because they are often sort of separated very distinctly, you've got this big picture thinker, that can quickly identify patterns. Mm. They're, you know, they're described usually as right-brained and visionary, ah, yes. creative and strategic, and they move fast, jump from idea to idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where the company considers them leadership material, right? But mm. on this other side of the coin, they're often described as disorganized or <laughs> messy or, you know, unable to see the viability of their ideas and the reality of those ideas. On the other hand, you have details people mm-hmm. who are really focused on the precise small changes in patterns, right? They might yeah. they might be better off editing or tweaking a plan than actually developing one from scratch. They, mm-hmm. they ask a lot of questions. They work methodically. They, they get the small things right consistently. Um, and as a result, the other side of their coin is, well, they tend to move more slowly. They tend to triple check every idea. And they're sometimes seen as perfectionists who to overthink things. And if you have taken that Myers-Briggs test, Mm -hmm. you might have tested it as what they call an N. um, That's an intuitive, uh, a big picture person. Or if you took the test and you identified as an S, you're a sensing personality. And that is sort of translates to being more detail oriented. And we take these tests and, you know, in varying degree in these two different types of personalities. The interesting thing to me and what we were, I was having my conversation with my colleague about was that, you know, in business these days, you know, and startup businesses, especially and in marketing, you know, we are often encouraged to be that big picture business leader and hire tactical detail oriented people to counterbalance our wonderful, you know, we're big vision, big thinker, yeah. people, right? And <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing was, um, what is what was fascinating to me was that this uh, they had been overlooked for a promotion to vice president because uh, they had been considered a you know they 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 they, they didn't weren't considered a big picture person and the their boss who overlooked them for the promotion said well our company really needs this big picture person to take things to the next level so they hired this visionary right for the Mm -hmm. position which was a vp marketing position yeah um who lasted all of eight months right? right and during that time this big vision 
you know, a thinker person. Re, what did they do? They reorganized the entire yeah. marketing team. They redesigned the Broke website. Everything. They instituted this new digital vision for the company. Yeah. And, you know, as my friend said, you know, the PowerPoint was beautiful. The reality, <laughs> not so much. Um, and so, you know, the what was the challenge was is that this big picture person never really understood the intricacies of the business and never took the time to work out the details. And that's the key is, is that we are so focused, the businesses so focused on not micromanaging. We're taught this, right? We are taught in businesses to be big thinkers. Mm -hmm. And as we become further up the food chain, further up the ladder of the, of the management chain, we're told don't micromanage, leave the details to your team, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And what happens is, is that we lean so far into that big picture thinking, the higher up we go. And I've seen this happen with so many executives today is that our desk gets messier and messier. The attention and appreciation to detail gets much more tenuous as we go on. And you start to take pride in it, right? You start, you know, these right. big picture people start to go, oh, I'm disorganized because I'm so, you know, so wrapped <laughs> up in my big visionary thinking that I don't have time to manage my desk or mm -hmm. get to your small details or understand what it is you do for a living. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing to me is, this has to shift, right? It has to shift if we're going to be successful leaders because yes, we need the ability to paint this big picture, but we also need to understand this detail. So what people fail to understand about taking the test is that it's not identifying how weighted or balanced you are to one or the other so that you can lean further into it. It's to say, here's where you balance yes. or lean or start and have a, you know, a canvas on the world yeah. so that you can balance to the other yeah. right it, it's that's yeah. the that's the goal yeah because we should be on a spectrum where you're weaker, right? yeah. not where you're stronger yeah absolutely and, yeah Sorry, yeah and on. so the the idea here is is that you know so so um you know peter drucker once said mm -hmm. he talked he, he told this tale of the stone cutters and i love this mm. story because it's a it's it's always a great one. It's like he there's a guy who's walking down the road and he sees these three stone cutters. Yeah. And he asks the three stone cutters who are obviously detail oriented people, you know, what they do for what 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 are they doing? Yeah. And the first stone cutter says, "Ah, I cut stone because I need the money, right? It's mm -hmm. a means of making a living." And then the second one says, "Ah, I do it because I'm going to be the best stone cutter in the world. I'm attention to detail. I make my stones the best in the world." And the third, who's the most joyous and the one who's hammering away and building these stones, yeah. basically says, oh, I'm building a cathedral. Yeah. And the parable, the, the story here is really the lesson is how we need to understand the big picture, right? You know, yeah. basically how details pick people need to understand the big picture of what they're doing because that makes them happy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But what's lost in that story and often doesn't get told is how important it was for the leader to understand how many stones they need to have cut. Yeah. And and so that is to me the real lesson here which is as a leader or a or a CMO or whatever it is you are in business, yes, having big pitcher capabilities are important, but yeah. it's just as important to know how many stones you need to get cut. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's um that's what we need to do as senior marketers with the with with planning and strategy is you need both, right? You need a strategy which is the cathedral that everybody knows that's what we're building. That's where we're going. So they know what direction they're heading in. But like you say, they need to know, they need to have the tools. They need to know how many stones. They need to know which stones they need to do today and all that stuff, don't they? That's the balance. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's it, what really is the bothersome part and, and, and the part that really, you know, I ended up talking with my colleagues so much about is not that, you know, there are some leaders who need help getting the understanding of the details or that there are some detail yeah. people who need to start to understand the big picture. Of course, that's true. That's the whole balance yeah. of life. Yeah. The, 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 the interesting thing to me are those that sort of lean into one or the other and yeah. say, basically, this is who I am and I'm not changing. Yeah. Well, it's weird because I, uh, I can't remember what my entire Myers-Briggs, what all the four letters were, but I do remember them saying to me that I was an introvert that got that got my energy from people 
which is just a terrible curse. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, and and then, but you, but somebody tells you something like that, and you you do feel defined by it, uh, however you know old you are or whatever. You, you do, don't you? And I and I think you're right. Is that you should take the approach that okay, so those are the things it's identified as my strengths. Uh, then I need to work on those weaknesses. Yeah, and that's where each can help each other, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, the, the, you know, in my, in my colleague's uh, case, it would have been so much better. And ultimately, by the way, is probably going to end up here anyway, Yeah. where if her boss had yeah. said, Hey, listen, instead of just, you know, assuming that they needed a big picture person to th- take yeah. things to the next level, it's like, how do I get you a details yes. manager who's come up through the ranks? How do I, you yes. know, how, how do I evolve you into yeah. the big picture thinking? Yeah. Because that's way easier. Yeah. It's way easier to do that yeah. than it is to, you know, than it is to uh, uh, try and do what they did. Oh, yeah. I mean, that story of yours is, is problematic on many levels, isn't it? The bias of the boss who thinks that they need a big picture person and overlooks the person who gets shit done is, is flawed. Um, but... I, 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 when I was at Sensha and I was the CMO there, the CEO I had was like this big picture visionary guy who was always pushing me to think bigger, broader, you know, and focus on, and that's what you need. You need that kind of mentor. And I think you can get that kind of mentor by bringing somebody in as an advisor, right? You don't, you don't, you can still have your person who's really good at getting the job done and just, you just need somebody to mentor them. That's right. You can, you know, and, and there are some, you know, for those that are out there where they don't have somebody internally Mm. to help foster that they, you know, there are plenty of great coaches out there who can start to help, you know, and, and really evolve those skills for executives so that they can start to see either, you know, they're a big picture person and they need to understand how things really work. Yeah. And so they can go to that safe place with someone who can help them understand the details of how, you know, how yeah. shit really gets done. Yeah. Um, and, and vice versa, if they're a details person and they're in a, you know, in their, and they're trying to get to a leadership person, yeah. a, a perspective, yeah. finding, you know, getting a coach to help them understand, okay, strategy and the big yeah. picture and how to get out of the weeds. Yeah. So uh, to end off that story, I mean, you said that the the big picture person they brought in lasted nine months and managed to break everything along the way. What happened in the end? Uh, the, well, there. I think it's a it's a story that's still going on because, quite ah. frankly, you know, <laughs> yeah, they 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 have just realized that the big picture person has broken everything, <laughs> you know, and. You know, and and look, I, not to be too completely, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they, they they did some good things. You know, they yeah. they did some right things, right? You know, yeah. the, the the new website is beautiful, yeah. um, and the digital vision is the right one. They yeah. just don't have any clue as to the details mm-hmm. of how to get it done, mm-hmm. um, and, and they don't have the resources to get it done, and they don't, you know. So they're, it, you know, it's like having this beautiful plan, yes, that you know, has no details to it. So they're trying to work some of that out. And, and quite frankly, I, I, I have a good feeling that this big picture VP is going to be moving on. (laughs) Oh, well, that's a pleasure. That's a joy of a story as usual with you, Robert. And I, I always like the stone cut story. And I think um, that's a good different view of it in terms of, you know, they, they need to know what stones they're going to be cutting. Um, and I've seen also in uh, on the inter- interwebs uh, that you have been committing some of these stories you tell us to to words that people can read. Where would they read those? <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're interested, mm-hmm. um, I have our little cave on the internet is called contentadvisory.net, and is where right. we put all of these little scratchings on the wall. <laughs> and when they spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? They can find me on social media, certainly, and LinkedIn. Um, one search will do. Um, and uh, on Twitter, I am Robert underscore Rose and would love to connect with everybody there. Splendid. All right. And will I see you in the bar next week? 
Oh, well, of course. I'll, you know, I'll be back and probably playing the organ again. In fact, I'm going to play <laughs> it out here. I'm going to play us out with a little jaunty organ tune. <laughs> well, thank you for that. That's uh, cost me a few hours of my Saturday. <laughs> there you go. See you next week. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you, Robert. So are you into the detail or are you more big picture? Something to ponder there. Robert will be live at Content Marketing World in Cleveland that starts on the 28th of September. So that's a wrap on episode 80 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. And thanks again to Jeff, Robert and Christina. I really appreciate their time and for them to share their insight with us. So please take a look at their work and follow them. You can find all their links in the podcast show notes and at rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track, and jiving along with us. Let me know what you think. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. And please leave a rating or review in your favorite podcatcher. Or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff is back and we'll be discussing CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. Previous guest, David Rudnitsky, is booked to return to discuss the ethics of marketers as storytellers. And before Robert heads off to Cleveland, he'll pop by our Rockstar CMO virtual park. Until then, have a great week. I hope you'll again join us here next week at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.